Road to Life. We love you. We're so glad to be back together on our podcast. We're here with Pastor Mike Shepline, and we're going to hear the message from Sunday where you can be inspired through the Word of God and maybe even a funny story. For more information, visit RoadToLifeChurch.com, and we'll see you next week. Anyway, hey, um, we have been in a series or something that we started, and the title of it was, we just simply said, God Cares. And this came about as I was just praying and kind of, I always, you know, I'm not one of those go to the books and, 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 oh, this is a good series. Somebody said do this. But I pray and say, Lord, what do you want me? And it always comes out of my personal time with the Lord. In this series, God Cares, is I think a lot of times as Christians is that we believe in God. Can we say that? We, we believe in God and we will, we will say, um, and I'm not minimizing this, but oh, God loves me and oh, God cares. But the practical aspect of experiencing his care in a very specific area of our life is many times there's a gap in between where we say, God, I know that you love me. I know that you care about me. But Lord, this is a very specific need in my life and experiencing that coming through within our life. Because when that happens, it totally changes us. Because nobody, it's like God's fingerprints are all over it. And you're just like, oh my gosh, I can build on this. Oh my gosh. And it changes the way we think. It changes the way that we see life. It changes everything because it's not just a statement of faith, but there's a reality and a story to our faith. There's a connection, a testimony, if you were to say that this happened in my life. And so that, and so when we begin, we began talking about, and the title of it was God Cares, and, and it is a resounding theme throughout the Bible. My awareness of his care in regard to my specific needs that are in my life directly affects me experiencing what God has in that specific area. It's, it's one thing to say God cares, but it's another thing to say, okay, God cares and I'm under his protection and you're in a spot where you need protection or God cares and I'm and I know him as my provider and you see him come through in provision or God cares and you're in need of physical healing within your body and you know how to walk that out in order to experience his care in that area you know I was um I was visiting a a brother-in-law in Dallas Texas this was a few years back and um and we were at his house and um and he knows that I am a Mexican food connoisseur how many of you are with me on that page you know what I'm saying you know okay look just just so you know and I hope I don't pop your bubble but Taco Bell is not Mexican food just so you know, and I'm not going to insult you and say maybe your favorite restaurant in the area that says they're Mexican food, they're not Mexican food. Okay, most of them. There's only a couple in this area. So I go to my, my brother-in-law's house, and he just looks at me, and he says, get in the car. I want to take you somewhere. And I'm like, where, where are we going? We pull into this gas station, and he said, you're going to get a burrito here in a gas station. 
And I said, come on, Mickey, no way. He's like, I'm telling you, this will be the best burrito you have ever eaten in your life. And I looked at him and I'm like, I was raised in San Diego. Right across from San Diego is Tijuana. Okay, I have been to Tijuana. I have been to, you know, up at Rosarito Beach. I've been up and down. And I said, I've had good. I went in, I'm going to tell you straight up. It was one of the best burritos I ever had in my entire life. And it was in a gas station. They're changing tires. They're filling up cars. And in the back, there's this little shop that they're cranking out tacos and burritos. And you would have never imagined. You, you would have absolutely never. Who would have thought? And, and you know, it, he said it took me years to discover this place. And he said, I looked and I saw people, you know, let me just, just an inside track, if you didn't know this, if you like Mexican food, but um, Latin American people don't go there to eat, it is not good Mexican food, just so you know that. And so he said, I just watched lots of Latin American people going in here. I thought, I'm gonna go in there. And he went in and he, and he got one. Let me, just, let me just throw this out. God has way more for our lives than we're experiencing. He has way more for our lives than we're experiencing. We were created for a relationship with God, and that relationship is built on love and trust. Every life-giving relationship is built on at least one and hopefully both, where it's built on love and it's built on trust. And without love and trust, when you talk about personal relationships, they're belabored at best. If you don't love and you don't trust, then it's, 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 it's difficult, and it is the same with God. And the Bible tells us, number one, and it says over and over again, that God is love and that he loves. The Bible says God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son so that whoever believes in him would not perish but come into everlasting life. But then in Proverbs chapter 3, and, it, and there's lots of verses that say this, but it talks about trusting in the Lord with all of our heart, and then he gives all of the fruit that come out of that trust. He said that he would cause everything to work for my good, that I would see the evidence of him leading my life, that he'd show me which path to take when I didn't know which path to take, that he would provide healing for my body and strength to my body, that he'd bless my life naturally beyond what I could ever do on my own, and that he would, he would cause protection to come over my life. And so when we make the statement, God cares, and we talk about experiencing his care in real time, realize that we don't earn it, but we become aware of it. We become aware, oh, okay, God, you care in this area. You know, and, and so we begin to open up and understand and grow. Like me in that taco shop, it's like, okay, now I know where to go to get a good taco. Now I know, okay, God, you care in this very specific area of my life. You know, as a pastor, I, I, you can imagine this, but I probably hear every imaginable need that people go through. You could imagine that. How many of you know what I'm saying? Some of you have talked to me. It's like, oh my gosh, you know what I'm saying? And usually my first reaction is compassion and empathy. And then to kind of listen, 
but then, and, and, you know, try to, okay, but then to reflect on God, what do you say in your word about meeting this need and helping them in this need? That's my natural progression that I kind of go through in my mind. And then that kind of becomes a rudder where I steer the conversation because I can't help them, but God can. How many of you know what I'm saying? And so let's steer our ship into that direction because I know that God will help them. Recently, and, um, you know, it was during COVID, someone contacted me and they, they, they basically said, um, you know, they were lonely, they were depressed, they were isolated, they were discouraged, and they really needed Christian community and they needed some Christian friends because they just felt like their whole life had been turned upside down. And so um, they didn't come here. And so I asked them if they went to church, to which their response was, no, and I'm not going to church because they're all hypocrites. You know, and I'm like, you're calling a pastor. How many of you know what I'm saying? It's like going to somebody's restaurant and saying, no, I'll never eat here because your food's lousy. You know, it's, and I remember sitting, I remember sitting there and, and I, 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 I looked at the person and I, I said to them, I said, so you're saying you're lonely, you have no community, you're depressed and you're discouraged, but you don't want to go to a place that will cause you to meet friends, cause you to have community, will encourage you, feed you spiritually, and maybe think some new thoughts. And they pretty much said yes. And I said, I'm sorry, I can't help you. How many of you know what I'm saying? And, and sometimes we, with God, is we're like, Lord, I, I, I want you to. And God's like, okay, I need you to go in this direction. It's almost like having a jacuzzi in January on your deck and you tiptoeing out and watching the water and it's super warm, but standing outside of it saying, wow, it would be nice to get in the jacuzzi. It's get in the jacuzzi. How many of you know what I'm saying? Get, get, it, get in the jacuzzi. And so we've been talking about getting in the water or experiencing God's care and his favor in specific areas of our life. And so the first week we laid the foundation that God loves us and he deeply cares about us. We found out in Hebrews chapter two, that one of the reasons Jesus, God said that Jesus was made in a body like we have was so that he could relate to us. He could relate to what we feel. He could relate to our processes and when we're going through pain and when we're going through things. Last week, we talked about God's protection, that what it looks like, and how do I live in and under God's protection. This week, what we're going to talk about is God cares, and he wants me to see him as a healer in my life. Everybody say healing. Okay, half of us said it. Say healing. Healing. God wants me to see him as a healer in my life. I didn't say, I, and let me just say this, God does all types of healing. He uses doctors. He does it supernaturally, but he wants me to look to him as a healer in my life. He, you know, if you look in the Old Testament, by and large, they didn't have a Bible. And so what God would do is he would do things, and he would say, I want everybody to know me as this. And he would do things like, just a great example, he would provide, and he would say, I want you to recognize me 
as your provider. He would maybe cause them to have victory in a particular battle. And he would say, I am your banner of victory. I want you to know me as Jehovah Nisi, your banner. Another to Jehovah, you know, Jehovah Jireh, your provider. When they needed peace within their life, God would come through and he would do something. And then he would say, I want you to know me as Jehovah, uh, Jehovah, Shalom, your peace within your life. Well, one of the redemptive names of God is Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals you. God did, a, he would do a miracle and then he would say, I want everybody to imprint this in your mind that I am a healer. It's realized that it's God's will to heal. He wants me to see and to relate to him, not just as a healer, but as my healer. He wants me to see him as the one that will heal my life. He does it differently, and you can see it if you look in the New Testament. And what you cannot read the New Testament and not come away with an awareness that Jesus healed. And many times we read that he healed everybody. He healed them all. He, and then you read in like in Mark chapter 16, where the Bible tells us to lay hands on the sick, to pray for them, and then it says they will recover. God is a healer. Say that with me. Say, Lord, you're a healer. You're my healer. I want to experience it in my life. And it, see, it's God's will to heal. And as I said earlier, he did it differently. Sometimes in the New Testament, you would see Jesus just simply speak and, and, and it, to the sickness or the infirmity. Other times, he would tell the people to do something, and they would go do it. He, I don't know about you, but probably theologically, you would struggle with this. One time, he just hacked up a loogie, spit in some dirt, and shoved it in some guy's eye and said, now go, you know what I'm saying, go wash. You know, you might look and say, well, I disagree with that. No, but I like the results. How many of you know what I'm saying? Sometimes God will ask us to do something in our life, and we don't want to do it. It doesn't make sense, but then he brings healing into our life. There were other times in the Bible it would say that as they went, as they went on that direction, God healed them. To others, you would, I mean, there are times that you, the, the woman with the issue of blood, that Jesus didn't even know who she was, but she said to herself, I've heard about this guy. I know that God is a healer. She pressed through the crowd and she said, if I can touch him, I'll be healed. And the Bible says Jesus didn't even know who she was and she got healed because of her belief that Jesus was a healer. And he stopped and he said, who was it? And finally, she came out of the crowd. What's really important is that our belief about healing is based in the Bible and not on an experience, but in the Bible. Our, realize we're going to have experiences in our life, but we need to bring those experiences and filter them through the Bible. God, what do you say about this experience? And so realize what's really important is our belief. And so to answer that question, it helps us, I believe, to first answer the question of where did sickness, where did disease, where did it come from? Where did it come from? And you say, well, that's just one area. There's lots, I mean, accidents. How many of you know what I'm saying? But I want to just, just start there. And, and this is more me asking a question. Was sickness and disease in the Garden of Eden? Okay. 
Fair enough. Do we, I, I mean, you know what I'm saying? Do you, do you have an address or a chapter and verse that says, no, it wasn't in the garden, because I'm just going to tell you, I do. I'm gonna, it, was, it wasn't in the garden. We know it wasn't in the garden based on what God told Adam. In Genesis 2, chapter 16 and 17, it says, And the Lord God commanded the man, saying, You may freely, unconditionally eat, from, um, fr- eat the fruit from every tree in the garden, but only from the tree of the knowledge of recognition of good and evil you shall not eat. Otherwise, on the day that you eat, remember that, the day that you eat from it, you, most, you, will, you shall most certainly die because of your disobedience. Remember that term, in the day that you eat. We know, we can read the history, that in Genesis 3, they ate from the tree. But we equally know that in reading chapter 3 and chapter 4, after they ate, that they didn't die because they had children. Adam and Eve lived for hundreds of years after this. We know this because we can read it. What would it be like? I mean, they, do you know that there are people that lived in the Bible early on after the fall that lived 900 years? Nine, could you imagine having kids and then your kids have kids and then their 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 kids have kids? You know what I'm saying? 900 years. There were people that lived 900 years. But when you, when you look at this, we, you have, we have to stop and we have to say, okay, so the word die means something differently here than it does in my life or my understanding. I like a um, theologian said, they, they say a more accurate definition of this word die is in dying, you shall surely die. And, and what they basically, when Adam sinned, he opened the door to spiritual death for all humanity. And then that opened the door to physical death. And that opened the door to sickness and disease to come in. On the day that Adam and Eve died spiritually, spiritual death is separation from God. That's what spiritual death is. But realize Jesus has come and reunited us to God. We've been reunited to God. Initially, God built our bodies to last forever. Forever. I mean, think about that for a moment. And we know that now, you know, the Bible says the outward man is perishing or, you know, but initially he built them to last forever. That's why we see Adam and his descendants living for hundreds of years after this case, in some cases, 900 years. But in dying spiritually, it opened the door to physical breakdown. It op- excuse me, it opened the door to disease. It came opened the door to sickness. It opened the door. They, it came through the exact same door. That's why when we read the prophecies in the Old Testament about Jesus coming and when he came, it connects forgiveness and healing over and over and over again. If you ask a Christian and you say, does God forgive? All, uh, 100% of them would say, yes, God forgives. But the moment you go over to the topic of healing, does God heal? They kind of stop for a moment and they're like, well, sometimes, I think, maybe, no, yes, all of the above. But what I want you to notice and what we're going to see is they're connected in this, they're connected with God. 
Look at what it says. This is a prophecy about Jesus when he comes in Isaiah 53, verse 4 and 5. Yet it was our weakness he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for our sins. But he was pierced for our rebellion, crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole, and he was whipped so we could be healed. Look at what it says, and this is the New King James translation. It says, surely he has borne our griefs and carried our sorrows, yet we have seemed him stricken, smitten of God, and afflicted. Verse 5, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, you are healed. What I want you to notice is the connection between forgiveness with God and healing when it comes to Jesus. In the New Testament, this prophecy is referred to, and I want to read it in Matthew 8, verse 14 through verse 17. It says, when Jesus arrived at Peter's house, Peter's mother-in-law was sick in bed with a high fever. Verse 15, but when Jesus touched her, the fever left her, then she got up and prepared a meal for him. How many of you think that meal was fried chicken? How many of you know what I'm saying? That evening, many demon-possessed people were brought to Jesus. He cast out evil spirits with a simple command, and he healed all the sick. Now look at verse 17. This fulfilled the word of the Lord through the prophet Isaiah who said, He took our sicknesses and removed our diseases. Look at 1 Peter 2.24. It says, He personally carried our sins in his body on the cross so that we can be dead to sin and alive for what is right. Now look at this statement. By his wounds you are healed. What I want you to notice is in the Old Testament, throughout the Old Testament, we come into the New Testament and God constantly connects forgiveness with healing. He said they came through the same door. They came through the same way. Jesus could not pay for my sin and not cover my sickness because they came through the same door. It doesn't mean that we're not going to face it. It doesn't mean I'm tempted sometimes weekly symptoms and things. How many of you know what I'm saying? Jesus paid for our sin and Jesus paid for our healing. At the same time, they're inseparable as far as God is concerned. God's plan for Jesus was to bring forgiveness and to bring healing because they both came through the same door. But if I'm not aware that they both came through the same door, then what? I do is I only receive the one and I don't receive the other. Are you with me? Are y'all tracking? Everybody tracking with me? Look at what it says in Mark chapter 2 verse 1 through verse 11. It says, when Jesus returned to Capernaum several days later, the news spread quickly that he was back home. Soon, the house where he was staying was so packed with visitors that there was no more room, even outside the door, while he was preaching God's word to them. Four men arrived carrying a paralyzed man on a mat. They couldn't bring him to Jesus because of the crowd. 
So they dug a hole through the roof above his head and they lowered the man on the mat right down in front of Jesus. How many of y'all know we need friends like that? <laughs> well, you know, we just can't. You know, they're just like, get up on the roof. You know, and they, they dug a hole through the roof. Look at what it says in verse five. Could you imagine Jesus? He's teaching. There's a root living room, whatever it is. Everybody's there. And all of a sudden, you know, there are thatch roofs or whatever. The roof starts getting ripped off. I mean, if you were in the room, what would you be doing? What is going on? And they rip the roof off, and then here comes this guy, lowering down on a mat in front of Jesus. How many of you, how many of you know that would just be like, oh, this is, this is church? <laughs> you know, look at what it says. This is Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the paralyzed man. Now, let me just ask you a question. What was the paralyzed guy seeking? Healing. Are you all with me? Healing. Look at what it says. Jesus, my child, your sins are forgiven. But some of the teachers of the religious law who were sitting there thought to themselves, what is he saying? This is blasphemy. Only God can forgive sins. Jesus knew immediately what they were thinking. So he asked them, why do you question this in your hearts? Is it easier to say to the paralyzed man, your sins are forgiven, are forgiven, or stand up, pick up your mat, and walk? Notice Jesus puts them together. He puts them together. He said, it doesn't. If your sins are forgiven, then healing is, what's the difference to Jesus? He's looking, he's saying, what is the difference? So I will prove to you that the Son of Man has authority on earth to forgive sins. Then he turned to the paralyzed man and said, stand up, pick up your mat, and go home. Sickness and disease came through the same door as sin. When Jesus covered sin, he covered healing in my life. He covered, but just as if I'm not aware of the forgiveness of God in my life, and it does me no good if I'm not aware of the healing power of God and the will of God, I will never pull into that gas station and get that burrito. Are you with me? Because in my mind, I'll never get into that jacuzzi. Look at what it says in Acts chapter 10, verse 38. And you know, that God anointed Jesus of Nazareth. This is after Jesus has died, after Jesus has risen, after Jesus has gone to heaven with the Holy Spirit and with power. Then Jesus went around doing good and healing all who were oppressed by the devil for God was with him. What I want you to notice is Jesus says sickness and disease is an oppression of the enemy on our life. He went around healing all who were oppressed of the devil, for God was with him. You can't tell me. Sickness, when, when we're sick or when we're dealing with things, we, got no strength, we have no strength. We're totally focused on ourselves because we're fighting it off. How many of you know what I'm saying? It's really hard in our lives. We live in a fallen world that conditions us to accept and to see sickness and disease as part of life. It conditions us to accept it. 
Now, I want to be really clear. We face it. We will face it. I'm not saying that you've done anything wrong. I'm not saying that you can get to the point in your life where you never have to. But what I am saying is like every other area, we have to stop and say, what is my belief about healing in my life in regard to my particular life? And is it in line with the Bible or have I allowed other stuff to creep in? I 100% believe in medical science. I totally, they're working with God to bring healing into our body. There were, I 100% agree with medical science, but I believe that God is the healer. They tell us that, God, that our bodies were created to heal themselves. Who created our body? God did. God did. And so, the, and so when we talk about this, I am running out of time, so I'm going to just give you four thoughts really, really quick. Number one is this, is that when we talk about healing, I must base my beliefs on the Bible. What do I believe about healing? If you don't believe that God wants to heal you, if you don't believe that it's God's will to heal you, understand it will affect your view of your future. It will affect every part of our life. What is my belief? What do I believe when sickness knocks at my door? What do I believe? Because what you believe determines how you answer the door. And so we stop and we look and we say, okay, I realize what is my beliefs? Is it based on the Bible? Don't take my word for it. I want to I want to challenge you to, you know, to Jump into the Bible and study the Bible on the topic because we live in a world today that has conditioned us to just accept it as part of our lives. And I want to tell you, we serve a really good God. We serve a really good God. Number two is this, is what do I base my confession on? Base your confession or what you speak out of your mouth over your life on the Bible. That's number two. Base my confession, when we talk about this, is it based on the Bible? What am I confessing and saying over my life, over and over? And I'm just going to throw this out there because we're made in the image of God. What we say matters. What we speak over our life, it reveals what's in us in abundance. It reveals what's in our heart. And so what am I saying over my life? And I'm just going to throw this out to you. So, you know, maybe something runs in your family line. or You know what I'm saying? Are you saying over your life, I'm probably going to get that? I'm, this is probably going to, because, you know, this is just, and my grandma and my mama, and, you know, I, I mean, it just goes, what am I saying? And when you, when we say this, your confession is pray over yourself. Just stop and say, Lord, you promised for healing. You know, get around, have somebody else pray for you. The Bible says to lay hands on the sick. Number three is this, is intentionally cooperate with God in healing intentionally cooperate. Jesus healed lots of different ways. I said it earlier. One, he spit in a guy's eye. I, you know what I'm saying? Others, he would give direction, and as they went, they were healed. Others, he would just speak a word. You know, I mean, Luke, the writer of the Gospel of Luke, he was a physician. He was, there's, it's great, he was a physician. And, and let me just be soup, let me just be honest with you, you know, about I think three or four years ago, my wife sends me to Walmart, and she said, I, you work at Walmart, praise the Lord, but I don't like going to Walmart. 
you know what I'm saying? It's just like, you know, so I go, she sends me to Walmart and she says, can you get this and this and this? And it's two days before we're leaving to go out of town for two weeks. And I'm like, okay, so I go to Walmart. I, I walk by this blood pressure machine and it says free. How many of you stop when you see free? <laughs> so I sit down and they do my blood pressure and it comes up on the screen, see physician immediately. immediately. I'm like, what? This stupid machine is broken. How many of you know what I'm saying? So I, I'm like, so I'll do it again. Some I'm going to breathe. Think of peaceful thoughts. How many of you know what I'm saying? I'm laying on a beach in the Caribbean. Okay, go. <laughs> Comes back the same. So like, go over to the pharmacist and he's like, you got problems. <laughs> he said, you got problems. How many of y'all want to know what my blood pressure was? Good. 200 over 110. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know any. Feel great. So I come to church and one of the positions at the church, I pull him off the side. And I say, hey, you know, we're, we're going out of town tomorrow morning at 5.30. And when I went home, you know, my wife's a naturalist. She's like, white oak bark, baby. You need white oak bark. <laughs> so I'm like, she's feeding me these oak tree things. You know? I'm like eating grass. You know? like, she's like, this will do it, you know. And, I, and I'm like... And I go to him, and he looks at me, and he's like, white oak bark ain't going to do you. He said, he says to me, he says, um, go on vacation. Don't worry about it. But when you come back, you know, make a point, whatever, whatever. I went in, and they're like, oh, yeah. And they're like, we want to do a full test on you. And they looked at me, and they said, we're shocked. Because all, everything, blood, urine, everything, he said, is really, really healthy. Everything is like you're shocking how healthy you are. That's what they said to me. I'm like, why are you shocked? And they're like, because your blood pressure. And they said, does it, anything run in your family? And I'm like, I don't know. And I, so I called my mom. And she's like, oh, yes, your grandfather and me and this and this and this. So he goes, so I go in and they give me this little pill, like five milligrams. And it goes, boom, right down to normal. Drops right down to normal. It's like, so that, right then, I started saying, okay, Lord, you're my healer. Lord, I thank you for healing me. I thank you for healing me. And they said, oh, it's probably going to get worse. That's what they said to me. You're going to get worse. I'm like, what? <laughs> so they gave me this thing, and, and it stayed the same and started to go down a little bit. I didn't deny that it exists, but I deny that it is greater power in my life than Jesus. And so I began to just say over my life, Lord, I thank you that you're my healer. Lord, I thank you that you're bringing my blood pressure down. Lord, I'm grateful for the physician, but Lord, my faith and my trust are in you. And every time I would think about it, that's what I would do. 
And, you know, in our lives sometimes to just stop and just to say, gosh, I need to cooperate with the Lord in my life. Sometimes, and I've run out of time, but there's sometimes in our life, and you can read this in 1 Corinthians chapter 11, that if we get judgmental, critical of other people, putting, judging, putting other people down, he said that there's some people that are sick, weakly, and even they, they die because they, they, they got a wrong spirit. And they open the door. See, the enemy is the source of sickness and disease. If we open the door to the enemy, then he can come in unforgiveness, resentment. So just stop. And, but you, and the enemy tries to condemn people. It's like, oh, you haven't forgiven. No, forgiveness isn't a feeling. It's a decision. Lord, I choose to forgive him, and I let him go. God's not a legalist, but you just stop in our life. Another time in Philippians, you see that Paul wrote about a guy named Epaphroditus, and he said, I left Epaphroditus with you, and he almost died because he was so sick. And then he said, why? Because he didn't take care of his own body, and he was burning it on both ends. See, we're not legalists, but we all need a Sabbath in our life. I'm going to say that again. You need a day of rest in your life. You got to, you, if you just go 24 hours a day, just seven days a week, understand your body will break down. It'll break down. And so we have to cooperate with the Lord. We have to cooperate with him bringing healing into our life. And the last one, number four, is this. Be persistent. Sometimes God does it, bammo. I like bammo. I like whammo. How many of you are with me on that? I like whammo, bammo. I mean, if you know what I'm saying. But there's other times that God's like, I'm healing you, but I need you to cooperate, be persistent, and I am a good God. I'm a faithful God. Stand to your feet if you would. I'm sorry, I went over. I want us right now to everybody to stand. And if you're here right now and you need healing, I want you to just close your eyes right now and maybe, maybe if you can, lay your hand on that area and we're going to pray. Lord, we thank you that you're the healer. God, we thank you for your grace in our life that you said in the Old Testament that you wanted your people to know you as Jehovah Rapha, the Lord who heals. We see in the New Testament the prophecies about Jesus that he came to bring forgiveness and healing. Lord, we don't understand everything. We will never understand everything. But Lord, we identify with your goodness and your favor and your healing over our life. And Lord, right now we come to you. And Lord, I come to you on behalf of everybody in this room. And Lord, we thank you for your healing power in Jesus' name. We speak to physical imperities. We speak to sickness and disease. We speak to any types of cancers and tumors. We speak to any type of disease and we say, the Lord rebuke you. The Lord rebuke you. Lord, we thank you that you're our healer. And Lord, right now, we identify with healing. Lord, we thank you for your grace in and over our life. And Lord, we would like it quick, but Lord, we're willing to walk it out. And Lord, we thank you in Jesus' 
name. Amen. Amen. Can you say amen? I wonder today, I've gone a little over, but you're here and you've never given your heart to Christ. You've never said, Jesus, I need you. I give you my life. If you could just for a moment close your eyes, you say, that's me. I want to lead you in a prayer. You say, that's me, and I know it. Let's all pray this. Say, Jesus, I believe that you're God's son, that you gave your life to pay for my mistakes so I could be made right with God. And I'm asking you, forgive me. Come into my life. Be the Lord of my life. I give you my heart in the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.